Hello and welcome to what I'm going to deem a very special episode of My Stupid Little Life. And I hate to call it that because every time I say a very special episode or hear those words, it makes me think of those really cheesy TV episodes where the main character learns a very valuable life lesson and everything has changed for the rest of their lives until the next episode where they completely ignore everything that happened in the last one. This one's going to be a little bit more unpolished than my other episodes. Um, I mean, you can probably tell that already. No, no intro music, no no nothing. Um, but it's something I felt was important. It was something that I kind of wanted to um, put out there. And it's going to hopefully explain part of why it's taken everything so long to get off the ground based on starting the podcast just prior to all of this happening. So... Anyway, without further ado, here's um, the very special episode. So, I initially planned on recording an episode a week, and especially after that little teaser episode I did, and then posting the outtakes from that, I wanted to make sure I followed up with something substantial. And uh, unfortunately, you know, with the holidays and everything, it's made it a little difficult, but what's made it more difficult is um, some events that I was involved with. Uh, nothing terrible personally, but just something that really struck me and um, really affected me in a negative way uh, mentally. And so I, I don't really want to talk too much about my job on this podcast because I don't know what the legalities are and I don't want to put myself or my employer in a bad place. Um, but in this situation, I'm going to have to tell you a little bit about my job and, and what I do and and everything. Um, so I work for a police and fire dispatch center. And on Thursday morning, so Thanksgiving morning around 1230, we had a call come in um, about a car in a canal. And, you know, living in the city that I live in with all of the canals that are in this city, which it's a ridiculous amount, this is kind of a common thing. Um, you figure people were leaving the bar after Wednesday night, which is one of the biggest party nights in the, you know, on the calendar. So it's to be expected that there's going to be people out and drunk and driving stupid, making bad decisions. But this one was a little different. So we get this call and we get word that there are two kids trapped in the car. So automatically it's bad. We know it's bad. We know that there's, um, there's not really any time to waste. We need to get people rolling. Not that there would be time to waste if there, if there weren't kids trapped in the car, but we need to get people out there now. So, as the details keep coming in, it just keeps getting worse and it keeps getting stranger. Um, what we hear is that it is, this is the result of a carjacking. And so that sets off some red flags. So now we're, now we're kind of dividing our efforts. Um, obviously, the most important thing is that we get to the kids and try and help them out. Um, but now we've also got to divert 
resources to find out what happened, how this carjacking happened, see if we can get a suspect, see if we can get a description. So we head out, and to the credit of every single person who responded, uh, especially our officers, as soon as they got on scene, there it, it was, all right, I'm going in, I'm going in, I'm going in. And we kept on hearing this over the radio over and over. And um, so the officers and the firefighters who responded were all just in the water as soon as they could and trying to save these two kids. Um, unfortunately, um, both of the children passed. And this is where it got really hard for me and for my coworkers. Um, you know, it's always terrible when a child passes, uh, when a child dies. What made it really hard for us, and um, I think was was the the even worse part than the children dying, was the circumstances. Because when we got the call. We didn't get the call from the driver or or anything like that. We got the call from one of the people who lived by that canal where the car went in. Um, and they said that they didn't see it, they heard it. And so by the time they got out there and called us, several minutes had passed. And these, these poor kids were trapped in the car and, you know, and the car was submerging. Um, turns out that the people who were driving the car, the, the adults had lied about the carjacking. They were, um, they were driving and one of them was the father of the children. One of them was the girlfriend. And I'm not here to say who was driving and who wasn't, you know, that's up for the police reports and all of that to decide and to, to lay out, um, but essentially what happened was these people, and this was the extremely infuriating part, um, they let the children die. They let them stay in the car, in the water, while they jumped out, swam to land, and concocted this story about their car getting carjacked with the kids in it and being driven into the canal. Now, I'm not a parent. I mean, I'm probably as close as you can come to being a parent without actually being one uh, with raising Peyton. But every single instinct in my body in that situation would be to save the kids. Obviously, they're, they were going to go to jail or at least have some very hefty fines that they were going to have to pay based on um, possibly being intoxicated. I'm not going to say one way or the other because, the, you know, the case hasn't come down, so I'm not going to try and, and put things out there that, you know, shouldn't be out. Um, but to leave your kids in a car and then try to make up a story so that you don't get in trouble is not parental behavior. It's not, in my eyes, human behavior. 
it takes a special kind of screwed up individual to be able to leave children to die to save your own butt. And that was probably what hit most of us even hard. I'm not going to say harder, but it was hard to digest. It was very hard to, to deal with the fact that these people had an opportunity to save the kids and did nothing. They did absolutely nothing. They saved themselves. They got out. And then they tried to concoct a story saying that they were carjacked. What they ended up doing was leaving the scene. And this is all you can, uh, this is all, you know, stuff that you can find out from looking up news stories about it. I, I'm not going to give you too many of the descriptive details aside from, from just vagaries at this point, because I don't, again, I don't know the legalities. I don't know how much I can and can't say. I know that our state has very broad, um, public information laws and that most of this is probably, you know, okay to talk about. But again, I don't, I just don't want to cross any lines with that. Um, but I, I will say that multiple people that I work with, multiple people in my shift were, were deeply affected by it. I was, I was, and, and I'm, you know, I'm not ashamed or afraid to admit it. It would, it hit me hard. Um, it, it, I, I can't adequately explain the amount of fury, the amount of anger, the amount of sadness, um, but, and frustration, especially knowing that there was nothing that I could do on the other side of, of the microphone, on the other side of the phone. Um, you know, I, I could direct. I was, I was the coach. I was not the player. I couldn't go out and execute. Um, and it was, it was heartbreaking. Um, this is actually probably the first time that I've been able to talk about it since it happened without, um, without crying, without breaking down. Um, and I think that part of the reason that I felt so compelled to record this and record this episode in its unorthodox style, um, is to kind of get it out there. And I know a lot of my, my friends have been questioning why I've been kind of absent, kind of quiet, um, I've been posting on social media a little bit here and there, but not, not to the extent that I normally do. And some of the stuff I've been told has been a little bit cryptic. Um, and so I wanted to kind of explain what's been going on, what's been going through my head, why things have been so silent, why things have been silent on the podcast side of things. Um, and it's just with this happening in this, this case, my, my, uh, mindset, my, just everything has been affected from, um, you know, my daily life to, to performance at work to everything. It's been, this has been one of the most difficult situations I've dealt with at work, um, at this job or any other. I never expected to be affected as deeply as this call affected me. Um, 
you know, I knew what I signed up for with this job. I knew that there was the possibility that I was going to have hard calls, that there were going to be things that were going to be, you know, um, that were going to affect me on an emotional level, um, that were going to play with my sometimes already fragile uh, mental health. But uh, this one, I, I did not expect this. Um, we have what's called a critical incident stress management team that comes in when there are calls like this. Um, and they've come in, I think, once or twice when I've been on shift. Um, and I've never really felt the need, not that those calls were, were bad, weren't bad or weren't affecting, uh, or, or weren't, um, that's the word I'm looking for here, uh, that they weren't bad calls, that they weren't something that was worthy of affecting someone's mental health or, um, you know, how they were able to proceed through the day or through the shift or, or anything. And they certainly weighed on people's minds. And, you know, every call affects different people in different ways, depending upon how you were affected by how you were directly involved in or how you were indirectly involved in it honestly just being around a bunch of people who are who are dealing with this and hearing the radio traffic because you can't sit anywhere in the room and not hear that and not be affected by that in some way um but I, back to those so i i've never felt the need to, to involve myself with any of the critical incident stress management i i definitely as soon as it was offered this time i i took it um you know, I was trying to hold things together, and I, I held together pretty well for the shift. Um, but when we all sat down in the room is when I broke down. And I can't discuss anything that, that was said in the room. Um, I can't discuss anything with regards to the CISM. Um, there's a confidentiality to it. Uh, but I, I can say that after the shift was over, and I was finally able to kind of just get out of work mode and um, just kind of decompress a little bit, I it, it, it hit me. It hit me like a damn ton of bricks. Um, and just all of the, 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 the anger that I had towards the people who let those children drown um, just bubbled to the surface. Um, and if you know me, um, a lot of times when I get super angry, um, it, it leaks out of my eyes as liquid rage. Uh, I, which is a nice way to say, or a, a quote unquote masculine way to say that I cry. Um, and it's, it, it was frustration and anger and, and rage and fury and sadness all just bubbling over and I, and I cried and I cried for a long time. Um, and it was ugly crying too. It wasn't like, you know, like sad, like, boo no, no, dude. It was, it was disgustingly ugly. Uh, it was loud. It was, it was not good. Uh, I, it was good because it, it needed to come out. It had to, it had to come out in some way, shape or form, because if it didn't come out then in a, in a somewhat healthy way, it was going to come out somewhere else in a not healthy way. Um, and so I'm not, trust me when I say I'm not advocating that, you know, 
crying is for sissies or crying is for girls or any of that crap. I'm not, you know, screw the toxic masculinity crap. Screw the anti-mental health um, portion of it. You know, look, things happen, man. Things do. And we have to be able to talk about it. I don't care if you're a man, woman, child. you got to be able to talk about it. If you don't, it's going to build up inside and it's going to kill you. It will. In some way, shape, or form, it's going to do something that's going to negatively affect the way that you move on, the way that you behave, um, your life, the people around you, your loved ones, your friends, your family. So you, you've got to get it out. And so I did. And I talked with um, the CISM counselor. And, um, you know, I thought that after that, it was I was going to be good. And I wasn't. And I took it with me home. Um, the next day, I was essentially a zombie. Um, when I got to work, I sat in the car for 20 minutes probably before I went in. Uh, luckily, I had shown up early enough that I could afford to do that. Um, but it was hard walking in. And I just tried to keep it together and tried to be me. Um, but it was difficult. And I made it through the shift because I work with some awesome people. Um, and they kind of got me out of my, my zombie like trance. Um, you know, then luckily that was the last day I had to work. So that Thursday, Thanksgiving into Friday, um, was it for the weekend. I had three days, two days off, uh, not three days off to, to further decompress. So, um, you know, I got home and I sat down with Peyton and I watched the newest episode of The Mandalorian, which I cannot stress how awesome that was. It was fantastic. You should definitely be watching The Mandalorian if you're not. Um, but, you know, I watched The Mandalorian with him and just kind of cuddled with him, just hung out. And then I went to bed, um, which was good because I did not really sleep the day before. So I needed needed some rest. And I'm sure that that played into um, kind of helping restore things. The next day I got up and I kind of, I tried to talk to a couple people um, and just explain. And every time I tried to talk to them and tried to explain um, what happened, I broke down. I did. And um, I kept it from ugly crying pretty well, I think. Um because I got that initial rage, that initial anger out. Uh, but it was still there. And it still hurt, man. It really did. Um, it still does. But luckily I'm getting... I'm, I'm dealing with it a lot better. Um, the anger is is still there, but it's more tempered. I can... You know, I'm just more, at this point, sad for those kids. And... You know, I it. I don't think that I'll ever not be sad about it. I don't think that I'll ever not be angry about it. But I've gotten to the point now where because I've talked about it, because I'm laying it out here, that I'm able to kind of hopefully move forward and move past it. Um, there was a critical incident stress management giant briefing with, um, you know, the one that we had was just people in my, on my shift. Um, but there was a, a separate one, um, that Saturday that had all, you know, all the firefighters, all the EMTs, 
all of the dispatchers, all of the police officers that were involved, they were all invited. Um, I didn't go to it. And I should have. I think that it would have helped me deal with things better and maybe maybe not get over it quicker isn't the right way to say it um, because I'm never going to get over it. It's something that's that's with me now and I'll think about it from time to time and it, you know it because that's something that terrible you don't just forget. Um, but I feel like going to that probably would have been um, a good idea because they have licensed counselors and everything and also to put a face to the voices that you're hearing over the radio that these frantic voices um, would have helped and from what I've been told it that you know maybe I would have been able to provide a piece of the puzzle to them that would have helped helped ease their minds um, a little bit and so I, I should have gone to that and in the future you know God forbid. I, I mean, I know there is going to be more incidents like this. It's just the nature of the job. But in the future, uh, if I'm involved in calls like this, I, I'm pretty sure I will go to the, the big briefings or big debriefings. Um, just, you know, for my mental health and for the mental health of those who are, do, who are in this with us. Um, it's not an easy job. No aspect of it is. And you never know when that call is going to come in that's going to affect you in in a way that really just it it messes with your head with your heart with your life for you know an unknown amount of time and so it's really important that um you know you take the appropriate steps you you have a healthy outlet um and you talk to people and you don't let it just fester and boil inside you and and destroy you because that's what it'll eventually do. And that's why, you know, the, the conversations around mental health in this country really need to to change and need to become a more healthy thing. Uh, it needs to be seen as not a stigma, but, you know, it's like any other health ailment. If I break my leg, people aren't going to tell me to just walk well. Okay, people have told me to walk things off that I couldn't just walk off. But most people, when you break a bone, you go to a doctor, you get treated, you get it fixed, and then you, you heal and you recover properly. In this country, we have a tendency, especially with males, um, to not treat it, to just try and cover it up, to try and walk it off, to rub some dirt in it, you know, to use some... some sports terms, you know, are you, are you hurt or are you injured? Is it something that you can just bury and keep moving forward? Or is it something that you can, um, that you can just, you, you need to get treated and anything with mental health these days, honestly, you're better off getting it treated. You need to, it's the only way to move forward healthy. And what we're doing is Generation after generation, we've kind of stigmatized it and we've kind of pushed it aside and we've treated it as something that you can just, you know, use the power of positive thinking and, and, and disregard. But that's not the case. It's not. It's mental health is something that is very serious and it's a crisis in this country. Um, 
I didn't look this up because I wasn't thinking about it, but I know at one point, uh, especially among veterans, we were losing 22 veterans a day to suicide. Um, and that's not right. That's not right at all. That is something that absolutely we should be able to fix. Um, and I know with COVID, uh, and I've been trying to not talk about this a lot, but you know, with COVID, with, with the way it's affected everything, suicide rates have been on the rise and because people are trapped in their homes, they don't, you know, they're losing their jobs. They're doing this, they're doing that. Man, mental health is important. And if we don't, as a country, band together and start taking care of each other and destigmatizing it and making it a regular conversation, normalizing, asking your friends and family how they're doing, are they doing okay mentally, and normalizing talking about everything, we're just going to go down a dark path. We're going to go down a path that we, you know, that just, it's going to be a cycle that just perpetuates that where people cover that up until they hit a breaking point and then there's no recovering from that, you know? So, but I digress. Um, you know, this, I wanted to make sure that I talked to people that I, that I put this out there, even if, you know, this stays the one or two listeners per episode that it's been. Um, I feel like this was a, an important thing for me to get off my chest and just to talk about and, and mention the, the mental health portion of it, the mental health aspect. Um, and to give those of you who are wondering why things have been so screwed up as far as recording, um, or, you know, if you know me personally, which I'm sure every single person listening to this does, um, what's been going on, why I've been the way I have, uh, lately. So I'm going to close this one out now. Um, just, I hope everyone is doing well. Um, if you're having issues, if you're having mental health problems, please reach out. If not to me, reach out to someone, uh, reach out to a professional. And again, if you don't feel comfortable reaching out to a professional, just talk to someone, just make sure you talk to someone because, um, you're here for a reason whether you know it or not, whether you think it or not. And, um, you know, we need you. So, all right, guys, I hope um, this has provided some clarity. Hope it's, you know, at least been interesting, if nothing else. And uh, I'll see you next episode.